You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Good morning, good morning, everyone. It is my extreme pleasure to be here with you all this morning. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Brother Sean for the gracious invitation. It's always a pleasure to be able to speak to you all. I'd like to once again welcome all of our visiting students and parents. I hope you're enjoying your time here at Bethel thus far. And I'd also like to shout out all of our current students as well as our faculty and staff. I pray that God has a word for us this morning. I'm going to be looking in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. And normally, as soon as you say Jeremiah 29, people think about Jeremiah 29, 11, which is an awesome verse, but oftentimes we take it out of context. And so I want to preach out of Jeremiah 29 and try to preserve as much context as possible because this was a particular prophetic message that God had for his people at the time in a certain circumstance, in a certain location. And some of the danger is that we can take those prophetic letters and those prophetic messages and just uh, apply it wholeheartedly to our current circumstance. And that can be dangerous at times. But I think it's also dangerous if we just simply say, well, that was for them at that time. It has absolutely nothing to do with us. And so I want to preach it in this context, but then also relate it to our current context. And hopefully it could be a benefit to us all whether you're just visiting and considering Bethel or whether you've been here for a long time, I believe God has something for us all in this message. Due to time, I'm not going to preach the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 in its entirety. Uh, But just to give some context, you had God's chosen people in Israel. God had called them to do their thing, to handle his business, to take care of all the stuff that he had given them. And like many of us, they got sidetracked. And one of the reasons why they got sidetracked was because there were a lot of false prophets who were advising them uh, wrongly in the name of God. God wants you to do these things. And, And oftentimes these false prophets, what they would do is tickle their ear. They would tell them the very things they want to hear. And because of that, they started to be rebellious. Uh, Some of them started to just flat out rebel from God. And you had some who were faithfully serving God, but kind of going with the status quo, weren't necessarily speaking out against the false prophets. And then you had those who were faithful. But God got fed up and said, you know what? I'm not going to judge each individual. But as a nation, I'm disappointed in you. And now I'm going to allow you to go into captivity. I'm going to allow a a, a foreign nation to come in and and overtake you, but I'm going to do it not that you may be punished, but that I may restore you, that you may come back to me, that you may grow and grow closer to, to him. And so oftentimes God has to remove us out of our current circumstances and send us to a different place. And he may send us to a place where some of us would rather not be. Yeah, I hear y'all already, you know. Y'all see where I'm going with this. Because I, I talked to some students who talk about Bethel, and, and, and you would think that they were in captivity. 
Well, this message is for all of us who've ever felt that way. I'm going to pick up in verse 4. So we have that context. So God sends the prophet Jeremiah, uh, and who writes a letter to those who are in Babylonian exile. So they're, they're no longer in their home. Now they're in Babylon, and they're captives. And it says in verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Right off the bat, he's establishing, yes, you were disobedient. And yes, some of you were very obedient, but you're getting uh, lumped in with this group. Some of you were just going through the motions, but you're getting lumped in with this group. And you're crying out, how could this nation come in and, and take us captive? But God is like, no, don't get it twisted. They have not done anything that I have not ordained. You're the reason why you're there. But more importantly, I'm the reason why you're there. God is saying, I sent you there. I have a plan for you. Remember Jeremiah 11, we, we quote that. I know the plans I have for you to prosper, to give you hope, not to do you evil, to do you good. And we quote that all the time, that God has this plan to prosper. And he had that same plan for his people. And they were just thinking about the product, the prosperity, the blessing. God says, well, you've gotten off track, so now we're going to focus on the process. How we're going to get to that prosperity, and you're going to get to that prosperity by going to a place that sometimes you'd rather not be, but that's the best place for you to be. I've carried you there. He's already shifting their focus in terms of when we think we're there for a certain reason, we're going to carry ourselves a certain way based upon why we think we're there, our expectations. And if we don't get out of that situation, what we thought we should be getting out, we have a tendency to leave or we're disappointed. But if we know that we're there because God has us there, all of a sudden now it increases our capacity to endure. Some of y'all think y'all came simply for athletics. Some of y'all think y'all came simply because of your academic program. A few of y'all came because your girlfriend or boyfriend was here. Regardless of those legitimate reasons why you came, I am confident whether you are here right now or you're considering coming, just know that God would have you here. That's important because it's going to shape what we do while we're here. You should do well for your coaches. You should do well for your professors. You should do well for your classmates and your teammates. But we're going to do a different level of well if we're doing well for God if we know he's the reason why we're here. He goes on to say, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. Part of the main struggle of God's people when they were put into Babylonian captivity is they had this we're only passing through mentality. Yeah, we're here now, but we'll be gone soon. 
And when we have that passing through mentality, we have a tendency not to make ourselves at home and not to treat that thing with the honor it should be treated with. Now, remember, they're in captivity. So they're in the midst of people who they don't like and who don't like them. It's an uncomfortable situation. But God sends this message through Jeremiah that, hey, I need y'all to build houses. Do you know why you build houses? What do you do in houses? You live there. They're probably thinking, well, why would we be building houses? We going soon, right? And then he said, not only do I need y'all to build houses, I need y'all to plant some gardens. And I need y'all to eat of the fruit of the garden. I don't know how long it takes. I don't have a green thumb. But I imagine from the time you plant to the time you eat, that's a little time. So all of a sudden, they're doing the math in their head, like, okay, we got to build some houses. We got to plant some gardens. We got to stick around long enough to eat of the garden. And he says, I need y'all to get married. And I know for most of y'all, that's all y'all heard when I read that was go get married. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. See, I tell you, they're excited. He says, I need y'all to go get married. Have children. Still excited, okay. From the time you get married, especially if you do it in order, if you get married and then have children, that takes a little time. Then he says, I need your children to get married. That means they got to grow up old enough to be married, and I need their children who get married to have children. All of a sudden, they doing the math in their head like, how long are we going to be here? We thought we were just passing through, but God is shifting their thinking, saying, you're not going home anytime soon. Matter of fact, this is your new home. And why is that important? Because whenever we think we're just passing through, we're never going to be able to focus on making the place that we're at the best it can be. I'm only here for one more year. They call it senioritis. I'm only here for one more year, or I could transfer. I could leave at any moment. He's letting them know you're not leaving. This is the place that I sent you to. I need you to get comfortable. I need you to get settled in. I need you to get established. And he says, I need you to do this so that you would increase and not diminish. I can't think of how many times in my time at Bethel as a student and even sometimes as a professor, either I've told the story or heard a story or complained or heard someone complain about, I used to be somebody and since I've been here, I, I, I don't know who I am anymore. I'm losing myself in a negative way. All my shine, the shine and the fire and the passion I came with, uh, it, it's the diminishing. Because I'm in this environment that doesn't understand me, this environment that I don't fit in, this environment that's stifling me with all these rules and all these things. But God says, I have you in this place, and I want you to get settled in in order that you would not diminish, that you would shine bright, that you would be a greater version of yourself. But it takes not God sprinkling down greatness, blessing prosperity. He's doing it through a particular process. And we may not understand the process. We not, may not fully enjoy the process, but can we trust that God is in control of the process? He says 
that you would not diminish. And in verse 7, I need you to seek the peace of the city I have caused you to be carried away to. Seek the peace. In the Hebrew, that word shalom. And we normally just simply translate shalom to be peace, but shalom is actually a richer word than that. Yes, it does mean peace, but it also means reconciliation. It means well-being or, or, or farewell, faring well. It means a whole, holistic wellness. Brother Sean was talking about there's going to be some wellness chapels coming up. This is part of what this shalom means, that, that you would be made well, that you be made whole, that, that, that God and his people will be reconciled and his people will be restored. He says, I want you to seek that shalom or peace for the city that I've carried you to. And he tells them why. He says, and that you would pray to the Lord for his peace so that you will also have peace. He's letting them know, all you who are right now complaining about your situation in captivity, complaining, why are we here? When do we get to go home? He says, not only do I need you to get settled in, but when you get settled in, I don't want you to continue to have this us versus them mentality. I need you to start praying for the city, i.e. the very same people who have taken you captive. And I don't need you to pray for fire and brimstone and damnation. I don't need you to pray that God's angels would come down and destroy. No, I need you to pray for their shalom, their peace, their well-being, their prosperity, their, their restoration. I need you to pray that some of the very people who, who don't know me would come to know me. You know how difficult that is to be in a place that you'd rather not be, but then have to see that place as a place uh, that you should be praying for? And he says, if you would do so, just know that if they find peace, you'll find peace. And he's not simply saying that if you pray for their peace, I'll give you peace. What he's saying is if they find peace, you'll find peace because you're them now. Y'all are all in the same boat. Think about how many times we complain about Bethel. The D.C. The dorms. The social life. Chapel, all types of complaints. And by the way, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all just happen to be eavesdropping. <laughs> We're always saying uh, what we don't have or, or where we'd rather be. And God is saying, well, if you want to be great, if you want peace, if you want to prosper, if you want to be the best version of yourself, if you want to get everything out of this Bethel experience that you signed up to get, you need to pray for Bethel. And not only pray, but seek the peace. So it goes from saying, God, we need you to do something to what can we do ourselves? What can we contribute? 
I know a lot of you who are visiting today, you've uh, probably met with the missions and you've read the brochures and you've seen the videos about if you come to Bethel, here's what Bethel will give you. And I pray that if you come to Bethel, that Bethel delivers on those promises. But I also want to challenge you that you cannot control what Bethel, the institution, gives to you. But what you can't control is what you'll give to Bethel. Will we seek the best for Bethel? Will we seek the well-being and prosperity for Bethel? And it's easier to do that once we realize that we are Bethel. So when you have conversations about you and Bethel, us and Bethel, no, we are Bethel. And if we want to achieve anything, we need to see Bethel achieve those very things. I'm almost done. Oh, she said, oh, man, did that. Was that old man to the Bethel part or old man to the almost done part? They all both amenable. It says, if you seek his peace, you too will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts of God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to the dreams which you cause to be dreamed. Part of the reason why God's people were put into captivity to begin with was they were in their homeland listening to false prophets. They were being led astray. And God says, you know what? I'm going to remove you from that land and put you into a different land. But unfortunately, even in this new land, even in captivity, part of their issue was they were still listening to false prophets. And specifically, these false prophets were prophesying, uh, quote-unquote, in the name of God, that we're going home soon. And that's what they want to hear. Do you realize if you really want to hear something, you'll hear that thing? We can justify just, oh, God, give me a sign. But you got your heart made up that you're only going to see one sign. That's the sign you want to see, and everything you see looks like that sign. So they would go to the prophets and say, tell us we're going home. Is that what y'all really want to hear? Yes, tell us. I have heard from the Lord. We are going home. And what did that do? It kept shifting their focus. To, if we're leaving soon, there's no need for me to be a good steward. There's no need for me to take care of this place because we're leaving soon. There's no need for me to represent God well to these people because we're leaving soon. He says, don't listen to them. And he said, matter of fact, stop listening to the dreams that you've caused the dream. They were having dreams, but it was their own dreams. Manufacturing what they want to see, what they want to hear. I know some of y'all got some dreams and some hopes and some plans and some desires. And I pray that those uh, dreams, hopes, and desires come true if they're of God. But I know for a fact that when I got to Bethel back in 1994, I had a dream. I wanted to be the next big star basketball player. That was my dream. And then lo and behold, tore ACL. Came back 14 months later, played a whole season, last game of the season, the next season, tore my other ACL. And after a while, I was like, I don't know, what, I don't know about this dream no more. 
And God was like, it's about time. Because I got some other plans for you. And I remember someone telling me uh, he was actually a custodian at the time, working grounds and housekeeping, never looked down on anyone who works in any job because he was one of the most prophetic cats on the campus. Brother Choa. And he, he, he would say, Theo, I see you. And I remember hearing all these good things about you're going to be the next big basketball star, and you thought you were going to be a giant on the court, but I'm here to let you know that God has you being a giant in the spirit. Oh, yeah, y'all clapped on that? I clapped on it. I didn't want to hear that at the time. I just wanted to play basketball. I, I, I want the prophets to speak what I want them to hear. But he didn't speak what I wanted to hear. He spoke what God needed me to hear. And I'm not here to speak what you want to hear, that, that everything is going to be exactly like you planned it's going to be. No, everything is going to be exactly how God planned it's going to be. And the sooner we can get on hold with God's plan, the sooner we're going to be able to embrace that and be all that he desires us to be in this place and give to this place all that he desires us to give. Don't listen to those false prophets. Don't listen to the dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Also, now he gives him a timeline. 70 years. How many of y'all have complained about four years? Or some of y'all on the five-year, I was on the five-year plan, got red-shirted. We complain about three, four, five years. Imagine being somewhere for 70 years. Tell my God, how long does it take for you to do what you need to do? We sorry, all right? We messed up. We're going to do better. He's like, no, it, it takes a process. And the reason why he wanted to do this, he said, because you're going to return back home. There is a day you will return back home, but what we can't have is that when you return home, you're going to be the same person you were when you left. I don't know all the promises we have made you at Bethel in terms of your academic success and your spiritual vitality. I have not read the brochures lately, but I can promise you one thing, that if all things go well, you will not return back home the same as what you came. And prayerfully, you're going to return more on fire, more focused, more in tune with what God has. Because that was the whole idea. God was like, I just want to be glorified, and I want to restore our relationship. That way, when you go back to the place where I want you to be from the beginning, you're going to be, be able to handle my business now. And then he gets to verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. We always like to start there and end there. God has a plan for me. Good thoughts towards me. A future and a hope. He was speaking that specifically to those individuals in captivity, but I think it still applies for us today. God always has a plan for his people. And his plans is always going to be good. But the process isn't always going to be uh, good to us. And keep in mind, 
Not everyone who was in captivity was in rebellion. There were some people who were doing what they were supposed to do in Israel, but God says as a group, as a nation, uh, here's what I'm going to do. So regardless of where you find yourself in that story, if you are the rebellious one or the one just content with the status quo or the one that's on fire, whether you're the incoming uh, student who's considering Bethel, one who just got to Bethel, or one of us who's been a student or a faculty staff at Bethel for a long time, the message is still the same. If we're going to be here at Bethel, we need to all recognize, first and foremost, that God has us here. Secondly, while we're here, we need to make ourselves at home. We cannot have this passer-through, passer-by mentality saying, I'm only here for three years. This is my current job. My dream job is, is, is over there, so I'm just doing this until I can get my, my status up to, to lead to go to my real job. I'm only here because my parents said I had to come, or I'm on scholarship, but I'd rather be somewhere else, but they gave me a lot of money. Regardless of the reason, God is saying, make yourself at home. Build. Maybe you thought Bethel was already fully built when you got here, but Bethel was still being built, and you play a role in that building. Make yourselves at home. Build. Settle down. Have marriages. Yes, you can even have marriages in the right time. The right time, don't, don't rush it. Have marriages. Have children. Do all those things. And by the way, while you're at it, uh, instead of always saying them over there, student development, uh, administration, professors, uh, coaches, classmates, pray for us. Pray for Bethel. And don't just say, God, do this for Bethel. Then seek Meaning, what can you be doing to make this the place it should be? And finally, when you hear those other voices in your ears saying, you know what, you really should leave. I agree with you, Bethel does suck. Let us, let us all leave together. God says, I did not send those people. Don't listen to those people. And he doesn't want us to give up our dreams. Uh, it's all right to have dreams, but our dreams should not have us. God got us. Let us seek the peace and prosperity of this place, and that's where we're going to find peace. And then we're going to be able to look back and say, wow, while I was there, God did have a plan. He did prosper me. And if we were to continue this story, what we're going to eventually read is that God's people were eventually delivered out of Babylonian captivity, and on the way out, they got the spoils of the country gold and silver and all types of things they took back to their homeland to rebuild God's kingdom. When you graduate, we're going to put some things in your hand. You're going to have a degree. You're going to have some lifelong relationships. Hopefully, you're going to have a healthy relationship with God. You're going to have some things that you're going to leave with that you can take with you wherever you go to help build God's kingdom. That's our challenge. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you um, for your prophetic word that is long-lasting. So although you spoke this to a particular people at a particular time in a particular context, we, your people today, still heed this message. It is my sincere prayer that we would all, whether we are newcomers at Bethel, prospective students, or long-timers, that we would continually have our focus shifted 
to realize that this is the place that you have us. May we make ourselves at home here, recognizing that this is our home and that we should establish this place, that we should build. And I pray that we would seek the peace and prosperity of this place, that we would find peace and prosperity ourselves. May we not give our ears to those who would uh, distract us, those who would affirm our, our negative thoughts and, and, and get us off track, Lord. May we recognize that forever how long you have us, whether it be one more year or four more years, Lord, that this is a place that we should be good stewards over. And finally, when we leave this place, Lord, maybe we be able to look back and see that you did have a plan. And that plan was to grow us in you, to restore us, and to equip us to go back wherever we go, whether it's even returning back here at Bethel, to help continue to build your kingdom. And I pray that we would all heed this message and live it out to the best of our abilities according to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and God bless. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.